1: ny or text hope ny in new
2: york welcome on into the wolverine.com podcast clayton safey here with anthony broom on a thursday before we head down to indianapolis on friday for the saturday night showdown between michigan and iowa we're going to preview that we'll talk about a couple topics before that though uh but want to remind everybody watching on youtube or listening to the podcast version first of all we appreciate you second of all we have a special offer for you um1 is the promo code to get you two months of premium access over at thewolverine.com for just one dollar so 50 cents a month for those first two months that's going to take you through the national championship no reason not to do that it's going to get you through all of the craziness that could ensue as we know that happens early on in some of these off seasons so take advantage of that also running a special if you want to get an annual subscription that is 50% off right now so check us out at the Wolverine.com that offer is going to end after the big 10 championship game on Saturday Anthony let's get into some stuff but first we got a reservation at St. Elmo's on Friday night I'm excited about that we went there a couple years ago Indy the land of steakhouses and I'm excited to do that I may even try the shrimp cocktail for the first time uh do you have your order down are you ready for another trip to Indy
3: you know I like to play it by ear uh You know, I'm the type of person that you can send me a menu ahead of time and I'll I'll peruse the entire thing. Then we'll get there and the server will come up. Like, are you ready to order? I'm like, "Ah, I need a few more minutes. So uh, shrimp cocktail is happening. A steak is happening. Let's not complicate things here, but we're excited for it. It's nice nice to be able to make the trip back anytime you get to spend a few days in lovely downtown Indianapolis as we have the last few years. On a number of fronts, is always welcome to me. I love that setup for the purposes of what we do. So, just excited to be back.
2: No doubt, you need the pressure to order. I I respect that. You need you need the actual, you know, the the pressure, pressure creates with, diamonds, man. That's true. Um, I may even order a glass of whole milk. I may mess around, order a glass of whole milk. I mean, I might. Um, I I do have to tell the story before we get into it. But we are uh, we're sitting there, you know, a couple of years ago, obviously before Michigan's first big 10 championship game. And there was a guy who was, was cleaning off a table next to us. And it looked like he, he probably has worked there for decades. Like he just looks like, you know, the quintessential guy that's at a classy steakhouse, that sort of thing working there. And he's like, you know, he saw that uh, some people in our party were wearing Michigan gear. I won't expose, you know, exactly who I don't even remember exactly who, but he said, man, I am so glad that it's not Ohio state fans down here. He's like, those people are animals. Um, and so that tells you everything you need to know. I think they've enjoyed the classier crowd that is Michigan fans. Um, you know, Michigan fans get criticized a little bit when it's not maybe as loud or rowdy or whatever at times, but I think the people in those situations enjoy it. You remember that obviously AB.
3: Yes, I do. That memory is burned into my head because that was the first trip that we made. So, uh, to hear like, there was like an exhale from the entire restaurant industry there in downtown Indianapolis about the change in the big 10 East contingent that was coming down. So again, I think, uh, and even then, I mean, I I know that Michigan is going to be well represented on Saturday. I assume it will be a mostly Michigan crowd. We'll see what happens. Um, You know, don't know how many Iowa fans are willing to make that far of a trip to willingly watch what their offense has been doing all season long. But uh, again, I, I just expect it to be another, another good weekend.
2: Yeah, ticket prices a little bit lower than the last couple years. I think Iowa has something to do with that. And Frank, you know, honestly, Michigan fans, you know, being a little bit more used to this probably has an impact as well. Obviously, the 22 point spread certainly is a a reason for that as well. Let's get into a couple topics. First, starting with all Big 10 teams come out this week and Michigan guys scattered all over that. But I did want to hone in on Probably, probably one or two, and the the one um, especially would be JJ McCarthy being the first team All Big Ten quarterback. And I was going back and looking at my notes from a podcast we did on May 25th, and he, when he was named the preseason first team All Big Ten quarterback by one of the, the outlets, probably Athlon or something like that. And I remember us talking about how you know looking back at history, typically the team that that has that you know is is right there, obviously for the championship, uh, typically wins the Big Ten Championship, and that's typically an Ohio State quarterback. Seven in a row leading into this year, uh, seven years in a row, Ohio State had the first team all Big Ten quarterback. Nine out of ten. The only one in that span to not be from Ohio State was Connor Cook from Michigan State in 2015. But Michigan has the best quarterback. Michigan has the best team heading into the Big Ten Championship game. And it kind of played out how we thought in that regard. If you go back to Saturday, too, the better quarterback in Michigan, Ohio State typically wins the game. As as we've talked about, um, and that was that was JJ McCarthy. He made a couple big plays when they needed him to, and the on the other side, Kyle McCord made a couple of big mistakes. But fantastic year from JJ, and, and really everything you could have asked for all season. I feel like out of him.
3: Yeah, everything we discussed in May and in the summer was chalk. There was never any doubt about it. Certainly not in the last three weeks of the season or nothing anything changed. like
2: that. Yeah,
3: nothing changed at all. It was it was wire to wire domination and stability for the Michigan football program yeah I mean when you watch J.J. McCarthy and I know there are a lot of people say, "Oh well you know between Penn State and Ohio State he only threw the ball combined 28 times and these were the numbers and yada the argument with him has always been you know the the points added per drop back things like that it's what remember around mid mid mid-season Jim Harbaugh said something about Caleb Williams where You know, that guy's pretty good too, but we like our guy almost as much. And a lot of the advanced numbers tended to back that up. So again, you know, McCarthy doesn't have the gaudy numbers. Uh, I, again, maybe we expected a little more on the stat sheet, but that's not the reality of the situation of, of the type of football team this has been and what he's been asked to do. I mean, he spent the first, what, nine games of this season, not even playing into the fourth quarter. So to me, you look at, the way he's handled his business this year and the way he is able to go out and maximize pretty much every single throw that he has, there's a couple of misfires. And when he has mistakes, they tend to snowball a little bit. He kind of vomits them all out at once. But you know, for the most part this year, Michigan has been as stable and has dominant as it has been because it's gotten the quarterback play that it has. So, You know, it wasn't wasn't the year where the Ohio State quarterback put up video game numbers and won it by default. But when you look around this conference, to me, it was J.J. McCarthy. It was him number one with a bullet, like not even close anywhere else.
2: Yeah. Oh, not. it, It wasn't close at all. It was really never in doubt. But he also wins Big Ten quarterback of the year. That award's been around since 2011. First Michigan quarterback to ever win that um as well and in terms of first team all Big Ten quarterback he's the first to win uh to be named first team by both the coaches and media since John Navarre in 2003 there were a couple occurrences Denard in 2010 Chad Henney in 2007 where they were first team by one of either the coaches or the media but JJ gets it from both and like you said never really a doubt there Blake Corum Big Ten running back of the year for the second straight year he joins just a, a couple guys, Monty Ball being one of them, that, to win it twice. So quite the accomplishment there. And, and people can check out the whole All Big Ten list, but plenty of Michigan guys all over those. Uh, let's shift into this game this weekend against Iowa first. Just kind of the the big picture, as you know, we've talked about a little bit this week, but it's a must win game. Uh, it's you've just played the biggest game, potentially biggest regular season game in program history. As Rod Moore said after the game, maybe the biggest college football regular season game in history, given everything that was at stake, including things off the field. And now you have another biggest game of the year because you have to win this game to get into the college football playoff. Obviously, a small chance if they lose. But the way I see it with with the landscape and everything that, you know, all the teams that are still there right now at the end, I don't think they really have much of a shot. Um, If I'm looking at it from a Michigan standpoint as well, you know, you're playing in the last game right the ACC games at the same time but um or one of the games is right um let's see yeah the ACC games at the same time but so some things will have happened before you take the field on Saturday night but i think you're rooting for Florida State to win at, at the same time as you do i think you're probably rooting for Washington to win i think you and i have been pretty on top of that how we think Oregon is is the much better team and Vegas agrees with a 10 point spread there um and you're probably hoping you know maybe Georgia wins um but, you know, if Georgia loses, you can move up to the one. Your thoughts on uh, the stakes here and in, in championship weekend?
3: Well, you certainly don't want to get in the business of losing and then waiting to see what happens, right? And no. it's interesting. It's similar to when they play the Big Ten uh conference basketball tournament where that's always the last game right before it's decision time. Right now, again, there's one up against it when the ACC. But Michigan has a chance here to make – that final impression uh, with the committee. And again, I don't know if there's anything they could do against Iowa, where if Georgia won, where you're having that conversation about the number one seed, I think Georgia wins. It's them as the number one seed. The committee has set that up this week. That's what's on the line for them. Uh, You know, with Michigan, you know, you, you kind of start to rack your brain about, because there's always a chance, right? Like you have to go out and play football. You have to go out and execute, um, you know, we've seen it in this Michigan team at times make a lot of, you know, make mistakes where they snowball. And, and Iowa is the type of team where if you do make a mistake, they have this Belichickian way of pouncing on it and making you pay for it, regardless of how bad their offense is, regardless of they're not turning teams over. I don't think they're turning teams over quite as much as they have them, certainly not scoring, which was, you know, part of that aspect of, of turning teams over as well. So you start to rack your brain about well, what, what would actually need to happen for this to be a football game. And I mean, if Iowa holds Michigan to, let's just say Iowa holds Michigan to 14 points, can Iowa score 15? Can Iowa score 14 to send it into overtime? I don't see Maybe. that. So for me, I mean, it's, it's all about, we talked about this on our Monday show I like this opponent because coming off of what has been an emotional few weeks, obviously an emotional game, the Iowa Hawkeyes, if nothing else, are going to test your discipline. They are going to test your physicality, all of those things. So to me, yeah, must-win game Uh, in terms of how the playoff stuff shakes out. We'll see. I mean, if Bama beats Georgia, that throws everything into chaos. But Michigan can just kind of win this game, crack its knuckles, and let the chaos play out like they are going to be the number one or the number two seed as long as they take care of business on saturday and that you let the ball or the, the chips fall where they may from there
2: yeah the committee's definitely rooting for georgia cuz they don't want to have to make some of those tough decisions that would come with that potentially with bama and then you have to put texas in and then just florida state if they win uh but i think if you're michigan and, and you know you you're looking at you want florida state certainly to to win And it's a must win to get in the playoff. It's also another one of your goals that you set forth at the beginning of the year. I mean, you want to win the program's 45th Big Ten championship. Um, You want to win the Big Ten. You want to go 13-0. You want to win every game on your schedule. This is another goal they have in front of them. Iowa, six games in a row coming into this one with a Vegas over-under total points of 34 or less. Here are the total points between both teams in those six games combined afterwards. twenty-one. 22, 17, 22, 28, and 23. Um, you have gotten rich, AB, off of some of these unders that you've bet. I know throughout the season, um, but it's okay. going to be it's it's going to be interesting to see if Iowa can actually score enough. We'll talk about kind of all that in just a second. Let's get to our friends over at Prize Picks, our fantastic sponsor. Football season is in championship weekend, and there's no better way to enjoy the games than by playing daily fantasy with prize picks. You pick two to six players and predict if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. I play every week. I know all of us play each and every week. We give some of our picks out. I usually go back and make a couple more, but we give some of our picks out here as we will in just a second. But all first time users that deposit and use the promo code Wolverine will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So if you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they'll give you $50, and so on. This week, I'm going with a couple Thursday night football plays, but I got Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback, more than 280 and a half passing yards. That offense is really uh, in sync right now. And then Zach Charbonnet, former Michigan and UCLA running back for the Seahawks now more than 13 and a half rush attempts. He had 14 last week. Kenneth Walker is hurt again. He's doubtful to play. And I think they will, uh, they will ride Charbonnet a little bit uh, on uh, Thursday night.
3: I'm going to keep my picks this week to a pair of local or guys with local ties in the NBA. My first is Karis Levert on Thursday night against the Portland trailblazers going for more than 11 and a half points. And then with the Detroit Pistons, the hapless, so so terribly disappointing Detroit Pistons. Maybe the worst organization in all of Pro Sports. Play the New York Knicks, Zach Libby's New York Knicks here on Thursday night. I have Jalen Duran. You can see him behind me there, an autographed poster up on the on the wall in the office. Uh, more than 10 and a half points against the New York Knicks for the Pistons Center. So Karis Levert, more than 11 and a half points against the Trailblazers. Jalen Duran, more than 10 and a half points against Zach Libby's New York Knicks.
2: I like it. I like both. Uh, Go to prizepicks.com or download the app today. Use the promo code Wolverine for an instant deposit match up to $100. Let's get into our scouting report a little bit for Michigan against Iowa. Like we said, 22-point favorite Wolverines on Saturday night at Lucas Oil Stadium. This Iowa defense has been very good, only allowing just over 12 points per game. Anthony, they've also played... Some pretty bad offenses in the Big Ten West. I'd say the quarterback play in the Big Ten West is as bad in any division in college football. I would throw any division or, you know, even the group of five conferences in there. It is that bad. Hudson Card at Purdue is easily the best quarterback on that side of the Big Ten, in my opinion. Um, And we'll talk about Iowa's quarterback in a second, but let's start with their defense. You said it. I mean, they're not they're not turning teams over as much as they have in the past. Only 15 this year. It's still an OK number. Ten interceptions they are averaging under one interception a game for the first time in, I think, four years. Now, it's been impressive in, in years past how many picks they've gotten, how many pick sixes they've gotten. They only have one this year and you know most teams probably don't have one. But for Iowa, that's a lower number michigan was really aggressive against ohio state fourth downs in the first half they go for three of them they get all three obviously we're huge leading to a couple touchdowns there to get up on ohio state i would expect and people may complain about it at the time but i would expect michigan to take points maybe on a fourth down or like just send james turner out there field goal unit maybe early on in this game because we'll talk about their offense again in in a second but Look, if you have an opportunity to score against Iowa and take a lead and put the pressure on them, then I think you do it. I also think this Iowa defense, some of the you know numbers are a little bit inflated over there. They haven't allowed many big plays, uh, 18 of 20-plus yards, but 17 of those through the air and no Cooper DeGene, their star corner, uh, right now obviously out for the year, which kind of, which sucks because I love watching him play. He's a dynamic player. Uh, but I think Michigan's going to have some opportunities to uh, to air it out a little bit as well.
3: Michigan's most dangerous offensive weapon in this game is Tommy Dolman, the punter, because if the offense does sputter at times, if Tommy Dolman's you know, pinning them inside the 20, inside the 10, inside the five, okay, have fun Iowa offense, you know, and they've been a little better lately in terms of finding quote unquote big plays here and there. But uh, to me, again, and that's not saying that Michigan's offense should just be completely vanilla. You want to be aggressive. I think you want to hit your – you kind of have to empty the tank here because you do have three weeks or whatever it is after this. I mean, they're going to practice and things like that. But, um, you know, this is a game where you can really put a stamp on what your season has been, and it's a championship game too. Like, they're not going to call offense like they did against UNLV or against Bowling Green. Uh, But at the same time, you know, you don't need to chase the fourth and one. So you'd love to see them be aggressive because that's what can turn this game into – you know a 24-nothing game, 28-nothing game until one of those 38-point wins, 40-point wins, whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, this Michigan offense to me is again, it goes back to testing your discipline, testing your physicality. So a huge subplot of this game now is gonna be that offensive line and how it comes together for Michigan, given that you know they kind of suffered an injury to the Blake Corum of their offensive line. You know, last year, Blake Corum. That injury sort of derailed, not derailed, but certainly hampered the late stages of their season. And I think Zach Zinter, not having him there, lessens their chance at being able to win a national title. I have zero issue saying that. So to me, seeing that five up front come together, assuming we see Carson Barnhardt at guard, Trent A. Jones at right tackle, I think that's what they've been practicing, what they've been repping this week. So certainly I don't think I don't think there's going to be any surprises on Saturday, but this is all now about. Coming together and re-look, you know, refinding yourself after you have one of those sudden changes with a guy going out. And I think that's that to me, you know, people want to hear about, oh, what's JJ going to do? What's Blake Corm going to do? What, what are all these guys going to do? To me, when I look at this game offensively, it comes down to that offensive line. And then it comes down to also if it's not work, you know, if things aren't working, the best weapon you have available to you is making having a guy that can make Iowa go 80, 90 yards because. They might not have 80, 90 yards of total offense in this game. Like, I, that could happen, too. Who's, who knows?
2: Yeah, I mean, when they played Penn State, they they could not move the football uh, in that game. And and they made Penn State's offense. When you look at it, Penn State wins that game 31-0. Drew Aller throws for four touchdowns. You know, so it's one thing to be a great defense statistically in a bad division of Power 5 football and then playing one crossover game against Penn State. Obviously, they had another. but. Or a couple more, but they avoided playing Michigan and Ohio State in the regular season. So, when you make Penn State look that good, I think it, it, it makes you feel good if you're Michigan about your chances. But you do have to still go out there and execute. I think the key if you're Iowa is to kind of do the opposite of, of what you're saying, Anthony, is get them off the field on you know either three and out or or you know four and out or five and out. Like maybe they pick up one first down, but getting off the field quickly so that offense doesn't get pinned back. Um, and their defense has been good at doing that this year. When you look at field position for Iowa, they've had very good field position throughout the year. But, again, they're not playing against you know teams like Michigan uh, consistently or, or really haven't at all this year. Uh, flipping over to Michigan's defense against an Iowa offense that w- – what's the best word to describe it? Anemic? They're not not very uh, good. I mean, they're 130th out of 130 teams. Yeah. I, I don't know what there is a disrespectful
3: term – you could use to describe them. I mean, it's, it's awful. It might be the worst power five offense I've ever seen.
2: Yeah. And it, so here's the thing with that. This matchup would have been a lot juicier if Cade McNamara was uh, healthy. And if Eric Hall was healthy, if Luke Lachey, their other tight end was healthy, if Cooper DeGene was healthy. So look, I wish those guys were playing. I, you know, most importantly, I think Sharon Moore said it this week when he was asked about this, most importantly, just for their, for their health. Like you you just want guys to be healthy, but secondly it would have made this a lot more fun this may sum up how bad iowa's offense is anthony their leading receiver is eric all with 299 receiving yards he hasn't played since october 14th it's november 30th when you and i are talking and he leads it by a substantial margin i think the next guy is 227 nick uh, nico Bergani, with 227 i can't believe it but i also can believe it because i've watched a little bit of iowa i've tried to avoid it throughout the year and again you know, no disrespect, but it's just every which way you look at it, this is not a good offense. So they've scored 22 touchdowns on the year in 12 games. Michigan has had – um Michigan's had 59. Michigan's also a, a very good offense, but still kind of tells you what you need to know there as well. Uh Iowa runs the football a lot. They don't want to make Deacon Hill throw a lot. Um, You know, they do have a couple decent backs, LaShawn Williams and Caleb Johnson, and this offense – as much as it has been no good this year, has actually made some plays at the ends of some of these games to come down and make game-winning drives. And you can say whatever you want about Iowa, but they've won ten games this year. I don't care who they've played. So you got to give them credit for that. Um, but I think it's going to be really, really tough for Iowa to do anything on this this Michigan defense.
3: I mean, you watch me take off my glasses and rub yeah. my temples here. I mean, this you look distraught. This Iowa offense gives me a migraine, and I'm not even a fan. I don't cover this team. I mean think of the guys like poor Tom Kaker who have to who have to watch this stuff every single week. Um you know, here's here's the thing is that it is extremely fitting that in the last year of the Big 10 West, the most Big 10 West team of all time still found a way to go 10 and 2, mind you, which is impressive in its own right. I mean, you got to give those guys credit just for being being able to stay poised and to fight through that. Cause there's a lot of those games. They could have very easily, they, they should be 11 and one. They got screwed in the Minnesota game. That's so, true. Again. Um, it's a, it's a physical discipline team and they just find a way. And so, so often you bring up stats or, or numbers to a guy like Jim Harbaugh. And he'll always tell you the number, the, the number one stat to account for is wins. So Point were prohibited by loss. see terms and conditions 18 plus isn't dangerous, but man, oh man. I mean, I don't think you need to run Will Johnson out there this week if he's got, you know, if he tweaked something. You want that guy healthy for the two games you can play after this. But at the same, like, and that's something that's, I think it's very telling this week. I think what we talked to was it Wednesday we talked to Minter and he said something like, you know, cornerback is still a spot where we want to get maybe one or two guys more, or one or two guys more ready uh, for this stretch run here. And I think that's, I think that's kind of saying it without saying it that I don't know that we see Will Johnson in this game, but you know, when you look at this Iowa offense, it's, I I don't, I don't, I mean, I know they made David Braun coach of the year. I think Kirk Ferentz had a very good claim to that as well. People will argue that the offense was in the situation. It was given that uh, his son has not done a good job coordinating it and they did have so many injuries, but, the more and more you dive into this Iowa offense, the fact that they found a way to make it to this game. I mean, it, it says a lot about their resolve and it says a lot about a team that I think what we'll see on Saturday night is that, you know what, they might get blown out. They might lose by four scores, maybe even five, six scores. We'll see what happens, but that team's not going to flinch and they're going to play for four quarters. And you just have to respect that because there's very little to respect about what they're going to throw at you offensively.
2: That's fair. That's a good way to put it. Um, You know, one of their best weapons is is you talked about with Michigan having Tommy Doman is Torrey Taylor. They're fantastic punter. And I do hope we see those guys. I don't know if you saw them, the Iowa Nebraska game. There were a couple of guys wearing, was it punting shirts or punts? Um, You know, like their fans are just fully bought in on uh, being a team that punts a lot. And, punts well, uh, and pins you back, but Torrey Taylor, they're fantastic punter would probably be a first team all American. He was a first team, all big 10 selection when those teams came out this week. Um, but yeah, their best bet is really to try to get a first down or two and, and punt away and pin Michigan back and make this a three, nothing game at halftime. And, you know, put pressure on Michigan to, to, you know, maybe make a mistake or, you know, feel like they yeah. need to make a big play and then they slip up and Iowa capitalizes, but, Again, I don't think yeah,
3: I, I was going to have to block a punt and return it for a touchdown or pick off JJ McCarthy, probably turn it for a touchdown. That's to me, that's their only, that's their only route to making this uncomfortable for Michigan. If they can make it uncomfortable, then maybe you have a chance, but man, oh man. I mean, that, that offense is, and again, it sucks that guys are injured early on in this year. You know, you pick Michigan, Iowa, you're hoping it's JJ versus Cade. And it's, you know what a, what a way to go out the third year of this kind of three-part trilogy with the guy who got you there the first time. But, yeah, I mean, that juice just isn't there for it, which which sucks. It, it is a bummer, but it is what it is.
2: No doubt. Um, so, yeah, there's the Iowa offense against Michigan defense. I, I will say going back to the Michigan offense a little bit, I wouldn't be shocked if they do try to come out, out with some sort of trick play or something early to maybe get the momentum going like we saw a couple years ago with the donovan edwards to roman wilson touchdown and then blake had the big run as well in the first half uh with jj blocking downfield everyone remembers that um but that kind of that kind of woke michigan up a little bit after it was kind of tough sledding a little bit early on so don't be surprised maybe if if you know michigan's able to kind of manufacture something early on to get some juice going on that saturday night but uh, it's going to be a fun one. Let's talk about our predictions for this game. So, uh, usually, we do offensive, defensive player of the game. We have a vote this weekend, Anthony, um, for MVP of the game. We have the last couple years. I'm excited for that. It feels like you're in control of something. Um, my I, a lot of these games are just kind of like weird games where like not one guy dominates. I forget who I voted for last year. I think I voted for Donovan who won it. But we're going to call our shot on the MVP of the Big Ten Championship game. It'll be Archie Griffin handing the MVP trophy over to a Michigan Wolverine. And as is tradition, Archie Griffin gets booed. A former Ohio State star gets booed by the Michigan faithful there. And I and I imagine the next guy, or maybe they hand that out first. Uh, the, the guy who hands the Big Ten Championship trophy to Michigan, if Michigan's fortunate enough to win this game, is also going to get booed. But... Let's talk about who we think Archie Griffin's going to have to hand the smaller trophy over to. I'm going to go with the chalk pick. I'm going to go with J.J. McCarthy. I do think there are some plays to be had in the past game against this Iowa defense. They don't quite have that shutdown corner or dynamic athlete at safety like they have in years past. And again, Cooper DeGene is that guy, but he's hurt right now for the rest of the year. And I think that um, I think Michigan's going to get J.J. going a little bit in this game and, and be able to have some success. And I think they're going to kind of keep the the foot on the gas a little bit just because, you know, they're probably not going to get the one, obviously if Georgia wins, but I just think Michigan does want to kind of, you know, crescendo here, finish with a bang, and then head into the college football playoff. JJ is,
3: I mean, I don't know what the, if there are odds on it even, but I'd have him at what, like minus 275 or something like that. Like I think that that's. Blake's in the mix. That's it. It could be. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to go, you know, I think, I think Iowa football, I think physical big 10, uh, gritty football. And I think tight ends and Iowa doesn't have, you know, the healthy tight ends, but Michigan does. I'm going to go with Colston Loveland. i uh, look for him to have six, seven grabs, a touchdown, Look for him to have a really nice day. If, if they do get JJ going, it's going to be also because Colston Loveland I think has a big day and he is a, uh, I know the production hasn't quite been what maybe some people thought it would be, but I think he's a huge key uh, to this Michigan team in whatever games come next after Saturday. So
2: I'm going to go with Colston Loveland. I agree with that. I think they should continue to ride him. They did on on Saturday against Ohio state and Barner too, I think is one of the more underrated pieces on this offense and team in general. So I like that pick. I could definitely see it being Colston Loveland. Uh, Our final score predictions I got thirty-eight to three, Michigan. I I think it's going to be a similar script to a couple years ago. That was a forty-two-three game, so I'm picking less than what that was, and that was a better Iowa team, although their offense was terrible as well. Shout out to Spencer Petrus or Petrus, who's now in the portal again. Um, I I think it's going to be similar in the in the sense that Iowa is going to going to get a couple stops early on. Michigan's not going to build quite a lead. A substantial lead early, but once things break, I think they're going to break, and and Michigan's going to be able to kind of the floodgates will open a little bit, and I think Michigan's going to be able to put some points up, and I think it'll be thirty-eight to three.
3: I hate that we're that we're always so close on these because I'm waiting for my second staff pick win of the year. Haven't got one since I think the opener, wow. and I also have thirty-eight, but I have Iowa zero. I think Michigan's pitching a shutout on Saturday. I think those guys are going to be fired up. I think that this, this Iowa offense will be overwhelmed. I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at them. I, I just if they score, it's going to be something that's kind of fluky. They would have had a short field, but I just don't see how Iowa drives the field on, on this Michigan team. And honestly, it's going to be a struggle to even get to, to get to the 50 yard line. Their team total, I thought I saw on one of the betting sites, was like 0.5. For the for, for the game or the ha- one of the halves, whatever it was,
2: it was they're pitching half. a
3: shutout this weekend. I'm I'm calling it. That's my pick. 38. So yeah,
2: it was point five for each half. I have now seen on DraftKings at least, it's gone up to two and a half per half. So they're thinking field goal, but the point no, five kind of makes sense. Man. Like probably score either a field goal or a touchdown in one half, and probably get shut out in the other half is really the theory. I think their team total. Over under is six and a half or seven and a half. I think it's seven and a half. So, I mean, so so Tom Cakert of Hawkeye Report, who does a great job covering Iowa, helped us out with our opponent uh, Q and A. And he picked I would have six points. And someone in the thread on our message board was saying that it was arrogant of him to pick them to score six points. I was like, dude, it's six <laughs> points. Give cut him, cut him some slack here. I don't think it was arrogant at all, but. We had two, two, and again, I'm not disparaging
3: the people that you've gone to for these, but we had two people pick their team to win over Michigan this year. So what does that say that people think an Iowa guy saying they might score six points is arrogant, right? Uh, I'm sure that part of that, that comment was probably in jest, but it's, it is kind of funny.
2: I, I don't know that it was, but th- they were all <laughs> mad at the Maryland guy for picking Maryland to score 24, and they scored 24. So, I mean, you would never know. I kind of hate when people rip. Predictions before we all know anything that happens, but that's a completely different story. So those are our predictions for the game. Let's get into our next segment and final segment. No man knows the future. We're going to predict the other four power five championship games against the spread. And we will start on Friday night with Oregon against Washington in Vegas. Anthony, I'm super excited. We'll probably try to find a bar to watch this thing at, but Oregon Nine and a half point favorite looking to avenge their loss earlier in the year in Seattle to Washington over under 65 and a half. First thing I'll say is Oregon's lucky that the Pac-12 went with the format of having the two best teams in the championship game because Ohio State could easily be back in this situation. And they would be next year uh, playing Michigan in the Big Ten championship. But with the format, it's Iowa instead of Ohio State. But Oregon gets this mulligan, and I think they are going to win by more than nine and a half. I got them covering this spread.
3: I do think that Oregon will win. I think, man, I know that's not what the betting odds say, but if they get into that the four-team playoff, I would have them probably ranked as the team to beat. Sorry, Michigan fans. We'll see what happens. It's probably going to be. I assume whoever wins this game is who Michigan's going to see, probably in the Rose Bowl. So take that for what it is. Uh, I think Washington will keep it closer than the nine and a half. I do think Oregon will win, but I have Washington covering.
2: I think also on Friday night, Oklahoma State in Texas, in Arlington, Texas, just outside of Dallas, Jerry World, at t Stadium, Texas 15 and a half point favorite over under 54 and a half. Alan Bowman and the Oklahoma State Cowboys against the Texas Longhorns. I got Oklahoma State keeping it. Close staying within the 15 and a half. I like that it's outside of two touchdowns, so you can still have a Texas win by a couple of scores. But I don't know Oklahoma State. I just feel like this is their type of spot to to keep it close and make it a dog fight in Texas, hasn't impressed me all that much lately.
3: Yeah, Texas has to win big, right? Because given that the there could be some fluidity with that number force, so they have to win big because all of a sudden, if they win big and Alabama beats Georgia. Texas has the if, the you know the advantage. If Alabama of that gets win. in,
2: Texas kind of has to get in too.
3: Yeah, it's man, this committee is going to be. I, I don't know if the phone calls will be coming down for Georgia, but uh, from from the booth. But man, oh man, uh, that has nothing to do with this game. Uh, I I think this Texas team probably peaked just before the Oklahoma game, and since then they've been they've been good. They've been they've been fine. Uh, I'm going to go with them to cover, but I don't know that that's going to be enough for them to find their way into the playoff.
2: Saturday at 3.30, Georgia and Alabama in Atlanta. Georgia is a six-point favorite. Over-under is 54 and a half. Alabama coming off the crazy Iron Bowl. Georgia has looked very good recently, Um, getting a little bit healthier here towards the end of the year. I just think that I'm going to throw out the Iron Bowl result or not result, but the way it went, Alabama somehow finds a way to win. But that game's always kind of weird to me. And I think Alabama is going to keep this. I think Georgia's going to win, but I think Alabama is going to keep this inside the six. Jalen Milroe will make some plays and, uh, and we'll get a really close game.
3: I got Georgia in this one. And I think it's going to be another one of those statement Georgia type of games. Uh, you know, there were questions about them earlier this year. But when Georgia needs to turn it on, it seems like they find a way to do it. And Kirby Smart's been the only Saban, I believe the only Saban assistant to beat him, right? Uh, I think that that trend holds on Saturday, and I have Georgia winning by two scores.
2: All right. Then when you start talking like that, I mean, I'm I'm inclined to uh, to potentially flip my pick, but we'll see what happens as, uh, as kickoff nears. Louisville and Florida State, the final one we'll pick, this one in Charlotte, Florida State, with their backup quarterback, two-and-a-half point favorites over under 47-and-a-half. Man, this one's gonna be interesting. Get going on at the same time as Michigan, Iowa. I'm gonna say Florida State, like just the better team wins it, even without Jordan Travis at quarterback. But man, I just don't know. And then if you're Florida State, I mean, and if you're you're the committee, and they're 13 0, undefeated, Power Five champ, you kind of got to put them in. Uh, I think they'd be screwed if they didn't get in. It, it would be a screw job. But I got Florida State somehow somehow pulling this out, covering the two and a half.
3: I think the message has been sent from the committee that, like, hey, win this game and we're going to put you in the playoff. And I do think that it would be BS that if Florida State does win, they're 13 and 0, they're an ACC champion. The ACC is not you know, Conference USA. It's not, you know, the, the AAC or whatever it is. It's a Power Five conference. It's one of the better Power Five conferences. And uh, with all that said, I'm picking Florida State. I'm going to keep making the case for them, though. Ohio State got into the first college football playoff. With a third string quarterback and won the whole thing. So again, we're not pumping up the buckeyes here, but I really think the argument that Florida State doesn't have a chance because they don't have their their top quarterback. To me, that doesn't hold any water. Like it's a team achievement. 13 to no a conference championship is a team achievement. And if they win, they should be in. No
2: questions asked. I agree. I, I just don't think he's Cardell Jones, but no, we shall see. Um, and I think. If you're a team in the playoff, if you're a Georgia, let's say they win. If you're Michigan and you win, I mean, you want, if you're the one, you want the four to be Florida State. If you're the two, you want the three to be Florida State. That's just the reality. doesn't mean Florida State can't win in an upset. It just means that this is clearly the weakest team with the way they're structured now that has a shot but to make it, the playoff.
3: Then again, devil's advocate, was TCU not the weakest, quote-unquote, team coming in last year?
2: I mean, they won you
3: got it? Yeah. You got to play the games.
2: So, 100%. We'll see. 100%. Um, so, that's going to be our show for this week. We will see people in Indianapolis. If you do want to hang out with us, we will be at District Tap. Is that right, Anthony? Correct. District uh, Tap at noon to two o'clock on Saturday. A little meet and greet. So, we'll, in uh, people that are over at the Wolverine.com on our message board, have all the details over there. So, check that out there. But, we'd love to have a beer with you. So, uh, AB, any final thoughts on that?
3: No, I mean, in terms of the hangout, we're going to get there a little bit early. I would suggest if you're going to come hang out to get there a little early, those bars in downtown Indianapolis will get full by mid afternoon. So we're kind of hoping to do something before that happens. So 12 to 2 PM uh, it's on, I believe Meridian street. It's right there downtown. Everything's walkable. So, uh, if you're in town, stop by hang out and, uh, Chris Ballas will be there as well, uh, even if we have to drag him there, kicking and screaming. But uh, we will all be there, and and I'm looking forward to getting out in front of the people
2: again. Yep, so uh, looking forward to that. Make sure to like the video if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Head to TheWolverine.com. Again, the promo code is UM1. That will give you two months of premium access for just $1, so that takes you through the National Championship game, signing day, all that good stuff. Transfer Portal, period, and everything Transfer Portal opens up on December 4th. I'm sure we'll get into that next week. Thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook.
1: Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to two five three three-four two in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help